0: Listening to the Great Groups podcast. Our goal is to equip small group leaders at Brook Hills and beyond to make disciples through effective group ministry. You'll hear from Jay Gordon, who has more than 30 years of experience in leading church small group ministries. And he'll be joined by Chris Amaro, one of the small group leaders for the Church of Brook Hills. And often, you'll also enjoy interviews with other small group leaders. So enjoy the commute. And thanks for listening to The Great Groups Podcast.
1: All right. Here we are, Season 2, Episode 2. We made it. How about that? All right. Today, we have Dawn Wingard with us, and she is very brave to come here and talk to us. Very, very brave. Yes. Yes. Very brave. Um, She made a mistake and sent me an email a few months ago and said, Hey, I think a title for one episode you might do is How to Lead When You, as a Leader, are going through personal crisis. And so my first thought was, hey, Dawn, come talk to us about that. And that
2: was not my plan. I may never email you again. Yes.
1: (laughs) And she thought we would have all the wisdom, and I'm going, hey, let you know, I'm sure a lot of leaders go through that. I've been there myself. And Mm -hmm. so that's probably a great topic for us to cover. And on the last episode, we were talking about small group leaders who tell us no when we invite them to come, and Don's husband was one of those, yes. Jared, I wanted to come and sit beside her, but um, there's an empty well, chair now. Yeah, there's an empty chair. So, <laughs> <laughs> what was his excuse, Don?
2: <laughs> this is not his forte. Okay. He did say that if you ever want to have an investments podcast, he is your guy. Yes, he will be here for you.
1: Yes, we'll, we'll have to remember that. I don't know if we'll get around to investments. Yeah. I, you know, the Bible says lay up for yourself treasures in heaven, so maybe it a, does. a different kind of investment. It does really well played. Okay, okay, that would work. Well, Don, tell us a little bit about yourself.
2: Okay, well, um, you've already mentioned my husband, Jared. We've been married almost 19 years. Wow. Oh, now it's a long time. Our <laughs> anniversary is Tuesday, by the way. Um,
1: Congratulations. Thank Happy you. anniversary.
2: Oh, thanks. Uh, we have five children. Our oldest is 16. Our youngest is seven. Um, and I homeschool them, or we homeschool together. We are a part of a homeschool community here in town, and we meet together once a week. And I will start teaching there this semester. We are big Auburn fans. I'm sorry I know know. we still love you (laughs)
1: Um,
2: and we just enjoy being together doing things as a family
1: and by the way I pull for Auburn when they're in a a bowl game you know usually this time of year all the bowl games are on and Liz will pass through the room and say uh, you know you've been watching football quite a long time and I say I have to watch all the SEC teams and pull for them during bowl season and so
3: you know so that happens I've got Auburn socks on (laughs) I do I won't show you.
1: <laughs> we'll forgive you. <laughs> well, one thing about Jared, you know, I, I talk about him sometimes to some colleagues because he really impressed me. Uh, one of the things we do at Brook Hills, those of you that are leading know this, but we, we do um, a personal meeting before you lead that that we call an interview, a small group leader interview. And I was talking to Jared about spiritual disciplines during that meeting, and he was telling me about scripture memory, about what he does, and I was just like, Dude, really? My mind can't hold that much. <laughs> I was just really impressed. But you know, that's been what at least two years, and um, you know, I've really um, done a lot more scripture memory since that time. So maybe oh, we'll wow. credit Jared with uh, challenging me in that that area. And it's not like if Jared could do it, I could do it. You know, caveman kind of thing. But uh, <laughs> but but it, but it you know <laughs> it was it was an inspiration. You know, the amount of. Wow. Um, investment he has in Scripture memory, so I was impressed by that.
2: It's definitely encouraging and challenging to me as well. He has done that for years. He has made it a goal to memorize the entire book of Romans. and
3: Having taught Romans for two years, (laughs) um, wow. (laughs) That's impressive.
2: (laughs) Well, last I talked with him, he's on chapter 14.
3: Wow. Wow.
1: That's incredible. Yeah. My memory has been doing a lot in different places rather than long passages, but maybe I'll get to that at some point. But, um,
3: you know, five to six verses is sort of the longest passage I go for, so. I'm just uh, continuing to update my failure card from last episode, (laughs) things that I haven't done well.
1: (laughs) Oh, man. Well, let me uh, get into the topic a little bit, and and I was really playing with the name of of this one because I started to say leading during times of crisis, but that makes it sound like leading during the pandemic or leading during, you know, something going on in the group. But Dawn's question was, what about leading when you, the leader, are going through a crisis? And, and Jared and Dawn lead a group together. And so she's been through some real crisis. And so uh, tell us a little bit about that, about what initiated that email.
2: Okay. Um, the impetus for the email um came out of personal experience, obviously. Uh, we started a group in August of 2018. It was like a spinoff of a larger group. Um, and about six months into that, I lost my dad. Mm-hmm. My dad went to be with Jesus in February of 2019. Um, that was an extremely hard time. It was really difficult. And then just over a year after that, which was this past summer, my mom was diagnosed with cancer.
3: Mm.
2: And um, so, walking through times like that is difficult enough for yourself and as you're trying to care for your family. But adding on to that, um, helping to lead a small group is just, it's is hard. Yeah. It's difficult mm. to navigate for sure.
1: Yeah. Cool. Well, I thought we would um, talk about some of that. Maybe, uh, you know, I have a few tips, but um, there have been times when, you know, I've been in that boat. Me as a leader, you know, I've lost both my parents, but Mm there have been times, you know, my kids are a little bit older than yours. I've gone through some crises with my kids, and, um, you know, we were talking when we set up the podcast today, uh, are there times it's okay to just veer from the lesson and not get into the, not teach a Bible lesson during group? And I would say, you know, sure, if they're, you know, a couple, three times a year, something like that happens, somebody's going through a crisis, it's okay to just um, let somebody talk about what they're going through. And as a group, you might come together, lay hands on them, pray for them, you know, and um, just meet their need. And there have been, been times me as the leader that I've been the one who um, needed to share a crisis or something I'm walking through and just let the group come around me and support me. And um, I like that interactive part of group where we see, we see ourselves as leaders as part of the group not just leader of the group. And so right. I think that's something that um, that's really valuable. But, okay, Don, let me just throw it back to you. Um, I know you came to us, and, and we didn't necessarily have solutions for the podcast. So I thought, hey, let's get in here and figure this out together. But okay. what's um, what's maybe the, the biggest lesson you've learned going through that that you might say to somebody else going through crisis as okay. a leader?
2: I would say to just to be transparent about what you're going through, to be real. Hmm. Um, most of the time your group is going to know, What's happened, anyway? Yeah, and so um, to just be honest about where you are in that moment, hmm. um, I think it encourages it. It's helpful because t- it gives you an outlet to share, and it also encourages them to feel safe to do the same thing.
1: Mm-hmm. Do you feel like this is something that um, you know? I know most of the time in groups, the guy takes a primary leadership. Um, do you do you think going through this time, like everybody? would have looked at you and said, hey, what's going on? Or, or were you more transparent up front to just let them know, hey, I've got all this crisis?
2: We were, we were pretty transparent from the very beginning. Um, my dad's health declined over a period of two or three weeks pretty significantly. Mm-hmm. And so from the very beginning, um, they knew that my dad was going downhill. Hmm. And so they, I still, <laughs> one of our group members still asked me to this day how my mom is doing. You know, so it was constant checking up on us. And, um, but yeah, to answer your question, yes, we they knew from the beginning, okay, that it cool. was happening.
1: Yeah, I put together uh, a list of ideas, you know, that we might talk about some possible tips. I'm sure, you know, once we started this um, talking about this, I went, I should have gone to. Uh, Sean and asked for some suggestions. I'm sure he could have given us some more. So, um, you know, maybe we'll add that at some point in the future. But um, the first tip I, I wrote down was it's okay to hurt because we're humans, you know. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I think small group leaders can get this false assumption that, hey, we've got to be perfect and always have everything together all the time. And I think when we would do that, we're not really modeling real life mm-hmm. to people. So... I think that kind of goes along, goes along with the transparency thing that, uh, that we talked about.
2: I'm, I'm so glad you said that because I remember sitting through a lesson. Somebody had said for Jared about a week after dad passed, and I cried through the entire thing. Mm. And it was, it was a safe place for me to do that. I felt safe to do that. And one of the reasons why is because, well, number one, we really loved our people. Hmm. And we had built that um friendship with them, and number two, I had talked with another small group leader's wife who had been through the same thing a couple of years before, and she had met me in the hallway just before that and given me a hug and said, "Listen, you know, I cried through several hmm. small groups after my dad died.
3: Hmm. Well, it's so important for us to to know that we don't have to be on you know hmm. we, we worry about our small group members." feeling like they have to be on all the time um, and to have this facade about themselves that everything's fine, everything's perfect, especially during prayer request time. But we have to remember that ourselves. We don't have yeah. to be. We just have to be real. So I, I agree. It's awesome. There's something about people that have been through a crisis
1: comforting others, and that reminds me of Second Corinthians 1. I, I read that one time, and it talks about comforting others with the comfort that we have received. So yeah. the person that talked to you, did you know, did you seek them out to start with, or did they just know what you went through and offered that? Or
2: You know what, I had talked to her, can I tell you her name? Yes. And she probably <laughs> will not want her name mentioned <laughs> because her husband was on here earlier, <laughs> and they, they didn't want to be any part of it. But <laughs> I'm Courtney Kendrick no. who is, the, is who I had run into, and it's so funny. I think it was before Daddy passed, but um, I was dropping my kids off for choir. And she was right there. And I just started crying. I just started crying, you know. And Courtney gave me a big hug. And she's like, what's going on? And she took me aside. And we were just able to talk. And she shared that her she had lost her father while they were leading a group as well. And so just knowing that she was there, that I could call on her and just even passing in the hall, you know.
1: Hmm. Going through times of crisis really opens up an area of ministry to us as small group leaders. And so I think we need to you know, just remind other small group leaders, hey, let's be attentive to what people are going through. And if if you see somebody hurting, you might not ask them in front of the group, but get with them later or a a text or a phone call or whatever because um, that can be such a valuable time not only to bring comfort. But Chris, earlier we were talking about spiritual growth catalyst, I think, in last Mm -hmm. week's um, episode. And so – you know, often when I when I hear people's testimony, often spiritual growth comes out of a time of trial. And so it can be a really, you know, a really significant time of spiritual growth as we're dealing with with that crisis in our own lives. Um, one of the things we talked about earlier, another tip, was just ongoing self-care. Uh, you know, and that can be before a crisis, in a crisis, or after a crisis, you know. So, <laughs> Dawn, what would you say about uh, just you know, your own self-care during a time of crisis you were walking through?
2: Okay. I have a couple of things. Okay. The first thing is pretty practical, (laughs) and I'm not even sure why, but it really helps. It was just um, to get regular times of exercise.
3: Mm, Interesting.
2: I know. Whether that's just getting outside and going for a walk. And I don't know if it has to do with having something else to focus on. Maybe you're focusing your energy on exercising versus grieving or mm-hmm. worrying about the problem that you're walking through, um, but that's something real practical that we mm. can all do. Um, Another other big thing for me was spending intent intentional time in the Word, specifically in Psalms. Um, there are several Psalms of lament mm. that um, that I spent time in, just praying through. I'm um, going verse by verse journaling them, you know, for example, Psalm 13, I think the first verse says something about how long, O Lord. And just as an example, I journaled, how long will I hurt? How long will I be sad? How long will I not be able to make it through a worship service without crying? Um, But it was just good. It was good to see words in scripture, to put words to my feelings Mm -hmm. because I got to a point where I couldn't even express what was going through my mind mm-hmm. and in my heart.
1: Um, That's cool. Mm-hmm. One of the things you That's mentioned powerful. was was getting exercise. I know. You know. There was a time years ago I was kind of in a mental um, mental funk, mental crisis, mm-hmm. and my wife told me one time, "You need to get outside." <laughs> and So, you know, and it, it, there's exercise, and then there's being outdoors, and both of those things are are just healthy for us. And like you, I don't know why it is, but uh, those those were things that were really relevant. One of the things, too, I would say is, um, you know, seek whatever help you need. And that kind of goes along with, hey, it's okay, you know, to to be in crisis. But um, whether it be counseling or pastoral care, um, you know, let some people know what you're going through and and seek help. What would you say about that?
2: Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I'm a big fan of counseling. I know sometimes we can feel like, oh, there's something wrong with us. You know, if we go and sit down with a counselor, where well, there is something wrong with us. Right? <laughs> I mean, we all have problems. But I went and um for about six months, saw mm-hmm. a, a biblical counselor. And it was, it was good because she gave me practical things to do, but she also every session pointed me back to the word, you know, gave me biblical answers to the questions that I was
1: having mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. one question i th- thought about asking is you know how would you go about finding a counselor but um i don't know how you do we do have a counselor on staff um and we often you know those of us in in uh the leadership roles at the church often ha- we have a list yep. of counselors you know some that are better for different things that we would recommend anything you want to, would want to add to yeah how to that was the
2: first place i started i um sought out don stevens our um Women's minister. I don't mm-hmm. know the title. Yep. That's but it. The title. Women's that minister. Right? That's that it. Yep. Right? Um, and sat down with her. I think I went in there, spread and taught her for half an hour and stayed for two hours. <laughs> okay.
3: <laughs> <laughs>
2: Just talking. And she gave me a lot of resources and she pointed me to people. I know another church in town has a biblical counseling ministry mm-hmm. that they provide as ministry, you know, for mm-hmm. free.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: So um, that's what I did.
1: Yep. Cool. Um, you know, another tip sort of goes along with the transparency that we've already talked about, but it was just, um, you know, sharing the burden. Uh, Ephesians six two says, bear one another's burdens and fulfill the law of Christ. And, you know, I, I think it's so important for us to allow others to um, be involved in the crisis we're going through. I mean, that's what we are as a small group. You know, we're to be encouraging and supporting of one another. And in a church the size of Brook and to be honest, most of the churches out there we don't have that kind of relationship with everybody in the body, so right. small group needs to be a place where we can share the hurt and, and share the support with one another. And how you mentioned a little bit earlier, but how would you say your small group supported you in this?
2: Oh, they were they were vital. They were they were a huge um, just a safe place where I felt like I could be real and I felt like I could talk to them um, about losing dad, and just be honest about the strong feelings that I was having. Um, In practical ways, they filled in for Jared um, several weeks when he physically couldn't be there. My parents lived out of town, and so we were gone. Um, So they took over for him. Um, And then when we got back into town, I was at a place where I told him, I need you with me. You know, I yeah. need your yeah. I need your mental space, right? I need your energy. And uh-huh. so he had uh, people step in and fill in for us. I think I told Chris earlier, <laughs> I think we sent our group to him. <laughs> yeah. Um and so it was it was good. You know, two of our, I uh, will tell you this a couple of our small group members made the trip down to Opelika for daddy's funeral. Hmm. And that meant the world to me, especially given the fact that the day of his funeral was the day that the tornadoes came through Lee County do you remember that? Yes. I yes. Oh, wow. yes. Mm-hmm. Um so the weather was terrible. Yeah. You know. And so they braved that and just sat with me, you know. And I was the only person they knew there. Right? <laughs> um and just providing food. We had so many people bring us food. I don't think I cooked for 2 months.
3: <laughs>
2: um and just just their presence Mm -hmm. and text and messages and cards, just being there.
1: Yeah. Having – you kind of summed up to some degree the next question I was going to ask is, um, you know, having been through this crisis and knowing what ministered most to you, how would you in turn turn around and minister to others? And right as I was about to ask that question, you you mentioned presence. And there was a time, um, you know, right as I was finishing college – uh, we had a close-knit group of friends, and one of those friends passed away like three months after she graduated. Oh and I was um, at her parents' home, and you know, one of the other friends just came up beside me and put their arm around me. And uh, there's just something about presence mm-hmm. that really ministers in in a big way. And so obviously being there for people is important. What else um, would you do, Dawn, now having been through that? what would you do for somebody else in your group? Would you ask questions? Would you just be there? How, how would you word that?
2: Yeah, I think having gone through this and other crises too, but just reminding myself that it takes the pressure off of feeling like you have to have answers, like you have to have just really insightful things to say to someone to alleviate their pain and make it go away. But you know, when you're in a place of hurt, it, it's not going to take away the pain, really, mm-hmm. right? No, nothing any of my friends could say is going to bring my dad back mm-hmm. in that moment or ever, right? Right I, mean, right. I mean, he's with Jesus. So just knowing that they were there. And so I think going forward, I don't feel pressure to. Give all these answers, you know, all these biblical right. explanations right. <laughs> and all these big spiritual insights. Or the perfect verse. Yes. You know, yeah. Right. Um, Just being there, like you were saying, and hugging them and checking on them and sitting with them. Mm-hmm. And just because um, you can communicate so much just by being with somebody and letting them know, I'm here. I see. I see you. Yeah. You're yeah. not alone.
1: That's huge. It is. You know, we always like to end with a challenge, and so I'll I'll give the challenge. But if any of you guys have anything um, to say, you know, after that, it won't be too late. But um, I want to challenge our small group leaders to do this. Do one thing in this next week to build a more transparent and real community. And, you know, that might mean you as a leader just setting the example and – being real about your own life, about struggles you go through. And so I just want to encourage you to do something this week to build a more transparent and real community. So before we close, are there any other things that um, you guys, Chris or Don, would add to this that we've left out?
3: I, w- I would say that anything you can do to foster vulnerability uh, in your group, and what I mean by that is, is just as Don was mentioning, the, the willingness to hurt uh, in front of others, um, it enables – such a tighter community in your small group. Um, You see relationships form in ways that they probably never would have normally. Um, When that barrier is down and we can be real with each other, so many other things fall into place. Even just reading scripture that you may have read two days before means something totally different at that point. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm reminded of uh, 1 Peter 5 uh, where he talks about uh, humbling yourselves before God. Um, and talks about how the devil is prowling around like a roaring lion. And these things that we go through, these crises that we go through, um, these valleys of, of suffering, um, we're just so exposed to just being taken alive by whatever temptation is out there to make it go away, to make the pain go away, to make the hurt go away. Mm-hmm. Um, and if we guard ourselves with the word in that way, um, and continuing First Peter 5, knowing that our brothers and sisters are suffering the same things along with us. Um, there's a comfort of knowing that other people have gone through this. And, you know, with with the Word and, and with faith in God, I can get through this too. Um, because I have my biblical community with me, my faith family with me. Um, it's, it's very empowering.
1: Well, we appreciate Dawn being here today and being brave enough to go on a podcast. <laughs> yes. And um, she's kind of behind the eight ball in one area, though. Um, one of the things we do is, um, if, if one of our leaders is brave enough to come on and be on the podcast, be on the podcast <laughs> with us, we give them a free Great Groups podcast t-shirt, but. Dawn was one of our early fans, and uh, once we launched the podcast, told us she really enjoyed it. Yeah. and so uh, she got a T-shirt early on with us going to be on the podcast, sure and she wore it today. I did. That's right. And so in the spirit I mean, of things, what right? are we gonna? <laughs> I, you know, I don't know what we're gonna give Dawn as an appreciation gift today. <laughs> we'll know. have to come up with something. <laughs> a bottle of water. You know, you can go with a right. bottle of water that that we have given you water. today. So okay, Dawn, as we were walking in the building today. I understood that um, your kids think that you're a real celebrity now that you are are coming on to the Great Groups podcast and going to have a worldwide audience. So tell us a little bit about that.
2: Oh, yes. I told them as I was walking out the door what Mommy was about to do this afternoon, and their eyes got so big. They're like, really? (laughs) Mom, wow, you're going to be on a podcast? That's so great.
3: Was Tally excited?
2: Yes. Yes, I (laughs) – yes. This is her cup of tea. Awesome. I can totally see her doing this when she gets older. All right. You want to She's tell your fun. kids hello? I would love to. All right. Hey go for kids. it. <laughs> Short <laughs> and simple. Hey, kids. <laughs> yes, that's all they get. <laughs>
1: awesome. Well, it was fun having you here. Thanks so much for
0: being here, Dawn.
2: Oh, well, thank y'all for making it easy.
0: Well, that's all for this episode of The Great Groups Podcast. Please do subscribe on your favorite podcast app so that you won't miss the next episode. Also, visit us online at greatgroups.org and leave a comment there. We would love to hear from you. Thanks again for listening today. We'll be back next time with a conversation that inspires you to make disciples. And that's the point of great groups. To make disciples.